Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. everybody. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here today with Dr. Kim Hunt. Robin Boyd has the day off, and we are talking about a very exciting time of year. The survey is coming out, and, and Kim, I would love for you to talk about, you know, we've done shows in the past. This, this uh, survey's been around since, what, 2008, 2009? 2009 is our first year. So we have covered this before on Military Mom Talk Radio, and I'm so excited to have you here today to talk about it. Let's talk about who it's for, because that's a little different this year. And what what is it really, why do we have this going on? What What's the point? Well, the main point was uh, in 2009, there were a couple of military spouses who had noticed that there was what we call now the civil military gap. And they had noticed it before we had the the term civil military gap, but there was just a disconnect between civilians and the military community and what civilians understood about the military community. And then conversely over the years, more about what also the military community um, can understand in, in their civilian community as well. And this year in particular, what we want to focus on is that people often have multiple relationships with the military. They could be an active duty service person who also grew up as a military child. They could be someone who's on active duty who's also the parent of a military or a veteran. And so we wanted people to be able to explore all of the different questions that they may identify with. And um, one of our focuses this year is on parents and what parents do to support their active duty service member and their family. And then also what can be done to support those parents as well, and to connect them to the military and to their service members. Well, and I found that so interesting because, you know, my dad and I talk a lot and my dad will say things, you know, he's 86. So he's like, well, you know, I was in the military, but I'm, uh, my voice doesn't matter anymore. And I'm old and I, I'm not active duty. You know, that was the big hallmark. Like, are you active duty? Are you not? And I loved that not only was that attended to, but for me as a daughter, as a veteran caregiver, you know, when you're an adult child of a military service member who is retired, who is a veteran, that's a whole huge population with voices deserving to be heard because when I first logged into the study you know and I did I did take it you guys and it's painless and it's great and you get to have a voice which is really important you know we can talk to our girlfriends we can talk to our family members but this is your chance to talk to people who are actually listening who have the power to start to enact change so I really encourage everyone you know if you have if you are a veteran caregiver if you are a veteran spouse if you're active duty, if you're active duty spouse, if you know you are the adult child of active duty, if you're a military family, because we know when one serves, we all serve. So that's Absolutely. really important. And also, if you are a girlfriend or a boyfriend of someone or you co-parent 
with someone who's in the military. I mean, there's all sorts of lists these days, Kim. Let's talk about some of those different groups so people can go, wow, that's me. I can participate. Well, absolutely. We definitely want to hear from all of the different groups that are connected. Um, we you know, look at domestic partners of those who are serving, as well as, as domestic partners of veterans. And we definitely want to hear the veteran and the veteran spouse domestic partner voice, because oftentimes when you look at the military lifestyle survey and you look at our findings, if you look at the, the comprehensive report, you'll find that your top five stressors or issues differ between those who are active duty and those who are veterans. And one of the things about Blue Star Family is they have trust with leadership. And so by gathering the information from all of the different populations that are military connected, they can push forward that change. They can move a needle. And so it's important that we hear the voice from everybody. When people sit and think, well, time to take this survey, take the survey that will move a needle that will do something that will amplify your voice and your concerns as a whole. So when you look at the uh, lifestyle survey from last year, you'll look at military spouses are obviously very concerned about spouse employment. Whereas veterans were brought up issues around VA and their access to VA facilities, uh, PTSD and issues that they are dealing with. And each, each population has a different lens that they look at the, these particular issues and stressors. And so it's important that we hear from everybody. We want to hear from the adult children. We want to hear from the parents. We want to hear from the caregivers. Um, and we want to hear what's going on in their lives and what is important to them at this point in time. And one of the other things that we're doing is not only looking at what those issues and challenges are, but we're also asking people, what are some of the solutions you've come up with for these challenges? And that is also a little bit of a change from what we've done in the past, because a lot of people, especially military families, military moms, learn different coping mechanisms or different ways to help themselves or to help other military connected families. And we want to hear what those things are, because that way we can help others who may not have learned that yet, and we can pass on that information as well. That is, I mean, it's so important because even just the definition of the military family, you know, when we formed Military Mom Talk Radio, everybody's like, oh, well, you just want, you know, wives of service members who, you know, have children. And it's like, no, we want all moms. We want, you know, I believe moms are the gatekeepers of the information. And my mom used to talk to, to her son. She'd talk to the daughters. And then, you know, the whole point is communication. But I love that you broadened accurately the definition of the military family because the military family isn't just the nucleus family that has one member active duty serving living on post and you know that whole concept of of military family has so much expanded to generations you know just like the word veteran for many of us you know growing up the word veteran de depicted some old man you know, or my great aunt who, you know, was a nurse in World War II, you know, they were old people, they, and they had all these needs. And now we have veterans who are 19, 20 years old, and the very different needs. So when you sit around and talk to your friends about, you know, what's going on in your community, what's going on with your family, think about these things when you take this survey, because that's valuable information that what you talked about moving the needle, you know, that that's the difference between having a program 
put out for our families that is outdated. You know, how do we move the needle? You know, what does that mean? That means using this information to create products and services that serve the family today. And that's why it's so important that anybody listening today, if you're a spouse, if you're a girlfriend, if you're a boyfriend, if you're a child, if you're a service member, if you're a veteran, we need to hear from all of those voices because one product cannot serve all people. Absolutely. And, and also the other thing is because Blue Star Family is trusted, they've actually been able to move policy as well as create programs. There's multiple programs within Blue Star Family but for example, um, military spouse employment and childcare concerns, policy has been changed and implemented based on the results from the survey because we're hearing from those people who are affected by this, who do need to have their voice heard, who do have a story to share. To share. And without these stories, without the data, it's hard to convince those who make policy or change policy that there's a need. For right. something. And so in order to make that need heard, we need those voices. And so having this lifestyle survey, the great thing about it is it's not data that just sits somewhere in somebody's vault or computer. It actually is turned into findings that are reported on and then used to help guide policy to support military connected families. And those are, those are, the pieces that I would really love people to think about as they're sitting down to take this survey is that my voice matters and I'm being heard because you are. And that is, that for us is extremely important. And that's why we also widened the group of people. And before we made people decide which one relationship they wanted to answer the entire survey through. And we decided this year, we don't want to do that. We want to hear all those different relationships because as we talked about earlier, families often have multiple generations of service. Right. And so if I, for instance, I'm a veteran spouse and I'm also a military mom, I, I want to be able to have my voice heard in, in both of those realms. And now I can. Right. I will get questions based on both. And so I think that is really important for anyone who has live this life experience to be able to tell their story in all those different relationships. Absolutely. You know, many of us, myself included, you know, grandfather flew a P-38 in World War II. My father served in Korea. You know, to have all of these different experiences, um, you, you can't just pick just one. You know, how do you, that's like saying dividing yourself up, answer just for this child, you know, you know, not that yes. child. I mean, I think it's really hard to divide that up, but I will tell you, you guys, before today's show, I went and took the survey and I did it on my phone and it didn't take hours on hours, you know, and it, it was actually kind of interesting and kind of fun to, to think about these questions and to put my answers down. I felt very validated. I felt very heard. So if you are feeling that people forgot you or that nobody has experienced what you've experienced, take this opportunity, this forum to, to put the information down because you know, Kim, you were talking about, you know, the ability to enact policy change and do all these great things. But I will tell you on the smaller level, shows like mine, you know, charities that I work with, military charities, we read that study. 
And then we make decisions. I look at that study and I make decisions going for, for 2021. What are my topics going to be? You know, yeah, we have authors on, we have all sorts of things, but I think a lot of media uses that report and goes, okay, we're going to, you're going to guide us on how to best serve our listeners, our watchers, our viewers. And absolutely. That's a great point. Last year we launched the different chapters. So in different regions of the U.S., there are chapters in San Diego, Camp Pendleton region, Chicago, uh, D.C. area, Dayton, Ohio, Jacksonville. So in areas where there's large groups, there are different chapters that are part of Blue Star Family. And we actually uh, took the data and we looked at it in these regional chapter areas to help the chapter directors give those organizations, the veteran and military serving organizations in that region, information that was drilled down to the regional level. And that was able to help um, each one of those VSOs and MSOs, as we call them, give more targeted help to the individuals within their community. Because they knew, okay, the very large group of respondents said this, However, our community was more interested or more affected by this issue. And that really helped bring it down to a more individualized level. And we're going to be doing the same thing each year to sort of look at where are those differences and look at the different regions. Um, And the one thing, too, to keep in mind is that although we do have this national footprint, we do try and also stay very much you know, at the local level where we can help the individuals. And we also have a virtual presence as well. Mm-hmm. And so one thing I do encourage anyone, especially if they're thinking where can I find this lifestyle survey, is to go to bluestarfamilies.com and to, to uh, register there because then you'll access to all of the different supports that are there, all the information that is there. Um, there's different programs that they have launched based on needs that military families have mentioned. They have a park passport for the national parks. And those are all things that people have said, I want to more access to local parks or, or to the national park service so that my family can go out and, and enjoy a little bit of respite time. Um, and those are things that have come out as a result of the survey and what families have said they need. So even aside, as you mentioned, aside from national policy, there's things that people need at the individual level that are also being looked at. And that's really important to us as well. Right. And and we can't guess, you know, like a radio host, you know, I look at my social media, I get input, you know, in from, but my input is from my regions where I lived. You know, I get input from Virginia, from New York and California and Michigan, because those are places I live. That's where my population is, but that wouldn't serve, you know, a nationally based radio show. So we rely on this information. And, you know, when you take the time to do this survey, you not only help yourself, but you help so many other people help you. And that's where I think, you know, it's so important that we talk about, you know, because there's so many surveys out there, you know, you, you go on AOL and they give you a survey for this and a survey for that. And some are really important and some are not as important. This one for the military community is probably one of the most important surveys they will take that year. Yes. And also to be able to help connect military families to the civilian community as well. Um, that is also a, uh, a goal of 
increased our families is to make sure that military families are a part of their civilian community and that the civilian community understands the military families that live within their areas as well. And to help those military families navigate that. One of the other things that we're looking at this year is we have a lot of work over the past few years on deployment. And we're looking at what some of the wants and needs of those members are. And oftentimes what happens in military families is they will not ask somebody for help. Absolutely not. Because they don't want to put somebody out or make right. somebody feel that they're obligated. But if civilian communities understand what some of those needs are, sometimes it, you know, when you ask a military family, what do you need? They're, oh, we're good, we're good, thank you so much. But maybe you know that person's family or that person's service member is going to go out on deployment. So you say, hey, would you like to come over for, you know, for dinner or you drop off for dinner? Now, they won't ask you for that, but they will certainly greatly appreciate it. So there's little things like that as well that sort of bring that military-civil divide, uh, kind of narrow it a bit. Well, yeah, because what I see in my community, I can tell you on every street where the military families are. I can tell you what branch they're in. I can tell you all that. You know, there's all this little network communication. And, um, you know, when I, I, I was diagnosed with cancer recently and I'm undergoing treatment and, you know, three of my military friends. Now, I live in a community of 16,000 people. They immediately got on the horn. They're like, okay, do we need to do a meal train? Like, do we need to do now? And these are women who already have their hands full. And it was interesting to me, as you were talking about this, I was thinking about that thing going, Sharon down the street, she's Air Force. She was the first one to bring up a meal for my kids. And I think in the military community, we're used to doing that for each other. But you're right, there is that big dividing wall between the civilian and the military. And I don't think truly, if I needed help, my gut would be to reach out to my military community first, not go civilian. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, that we want people to actually feel a part of their civilian community. And we want civilian communities to understand that military families want to be part, uh, for the most part, of their civilian communities. Sure. It's a little easier when you have a K-12 child because yeah. you, you know, have an inroads into the community if you're at the local public school. But if you're not, or you don't have a child yet at that age, or your children are past that age, or you're, in a, you're homeschooling your kids, you don't have that easy access into the community. So looking for those other ways where the community can help engage the military families and the military families can find ways to engage with the community is also vital. Um, and one of the things that we're looking at um, along those lines this year is voting and citizenship. Where do military families, especially because you pick up and go oftentimes right. every two to three years, where do you vote? Do you vote? Is it easy to vote? Is it difficult to vote? Is it difficult to change where you vote? So those are some of the issues we're looking at as well. And also looking at a more um, diverse and inclusive community. Yeah. And how, how do all of our families feel? Not just by your relationship to your service member, but also across the board. How do different groups feel? How do people of color feel? How do military families who you know, are moving into a new area, how do they feel about being, uh, being included and becoming part of that community? And so we want to really expand our reach this year and to get far more people responding, far more parents, far more 
families of color, um, our veterans, um, just to make sure that we are hearing everyone's right. voice. Right. I just want to give a little tip out and a shameless plug for 35 years. I've hosted a Toys for Tots at Christmas time at my house. And I invite my service member friends to come in uniform and talk to the community, talk to them about their, their kids. You know, my dad doesn't wear his uniform anymore, but he sits there and he talks about his service. And, and, you know, it's a great way to blend. If you don't have young kids anymore and you're looking how to how to bridge those gaps through the community. One of the greatest things is a party. And if you have a Toys for Tots party and you have everybody bring and you invite your local groups, your local community, now everybody knows who I am. They don't even know, Kim, that I'm on the radio in my community. You know, that's very, that that's so far out there. They know me as the toy lady. Every year I open my home and people come and I have the Marines in full dress and they talk to the kids about what they do. They talk about how many times they've moved. They talked about their they bring their kids because you have to have something that bridges that divide between the two groups because it's not easy, Kim. It's really difficult. And you're right. When you don't have kids, you know, that are in soccer and you can all meet or, you know, go to the school or things like that, you've got to come up with something. So because it's a great cause, because it serves our communities, having your Toys for Tots party and inviting people, not in a time of COVID, of course, but inviting people to your home, especially in Southern California, we can do it outside in the winter and have friends and family and, and new friends come and have people bring a friend and bring the kids because when the kids understand non-military kids and military kids they can start understanding each other better through a very good cause so there's my shameless plug for toys for tots and and actually that's a great segue into other areas right there's a lot of other veteran and military serving organizations and sometimes people think oh i, I have to be connected already to support or to volunteer and that's not the case at all. You know, at least our families, when they have their events out in the different regional areas or on the virtual platform, they want everybody to feel welcome. Right. And if you're part of that community and you don't have a military connection, that's okay. You're there to support, you're there to understand, and you're there to be a part of your community. And that, that includes everyone. And so that is very important to think about. And as I mentioned, one of the main reasons why we thought this year, we want everybody to be able to see all the relationships. We want to pull in as much diverse voice as we can possibly get into this year's survey. And then to take those findings and move the needle somewhere, whether it's at the national level, whether it's at the local level, um, and to make sure that all of our families are supported in multiple ways. So one of the other things that I, I did want to mention is that um, sometimes people are a little leery of taking a survey if they think it's somehow going to get back to the military. And this survey is not, is, it's, uh, not connected to DOD. It is a nonprofit organization. Um, your information is never shared at your, at your level of your name. No one can identify you. And so we want people to feel open and honest in their responses because that's the only way we get the true information. And then to, to let us know what you need and what can help you. Well, 
then, you know, as a user, you know, somebody who took the survey, you know, to prepare for today's show, there's opt outs throughout the whole thing. So it's not one of those forced because, you know, have you ever been in a survey where you're forced to pick an answer and you're like, well, I don't agree with all these or I don't want to answer. So what I really liked about this year's surveys is the opt out. Like you don't have to answer every question. You, if something makes you uncomfortable, something's, you know, having a, a reaction in you and you don't want to go there that's really important that you have that opt-out button. And also in the pre part of the survey is some information because some of these questions might bring up some really uncomfortable, difficult, flashback, awful memories. And you guys attended to that. Let's talk about that because if you're nervous about taking this because you know you don't want to go there and you know what I'm talking about, Kim, talk about what provisions are put in place for that happening. Uh, That's a great question, Sandra. Um, we, have, we have multiple areas where we know people may feel a little uncomfortable or nervous or, or maybe even start to get a little bit upset. So we have multiple organizations, phone numbers, uh, names, uh, websites that people can go to. And you can hold your place in that survey and come back. If you need to take a moment and you need to connect with one of these organizations and, and then move on with the survey, that's okay too. Um, we wanna make sure that there is support for everyone. And so yes, as you're taking it in all the different sensitive areas, um, this year we're not only talking about, um, for instance, a, a, a topic that can be difficult is suicide. Yep. And we are actually asking questions this year about children. And so obviously those are issues that could be very upsetting to people. And so we want to make sure they have all the resources they need to connect to, to feel more comfortable, to, um, to have someone to talk to who, if they need to as they go through this. Uh, and so that's really important. The other thing we have too is if you don't want to opt out of a particular question, we also have for a lot of areas and other and a please specify. We do want you to specify what is it that we missed We've done a lot of research. We have a lot of people's eyes on this before it goes out. People who are um, also having many of the same experiences. But it's always possible we could miss something that's really important to you. And we encourage you to put that in. There's some qualitative questions. And a lot of times what happens is people get focused on 5% this, 85% that. And it means more when we have a story to add to that number. Yes. And so if you answer those questions and you have something to say, it can help amplify and explain what exactly those numbers mean. Right. And so it does take a little bit more time, but without those stories, it's much more difficult to get those numbers across in a human way. And so we make sure that we have those in very strategic areas. Um, and as I mentioned earlier to Sandra, we are looking for not just what are some of the issues and challenges, but we want to know what have people done that has been successful? What has helped them find a solution? What solutions have they used? What has worked? Um, because that's the other piece too. We don't want to just amplify what are the issues and the challenges, but what are some ways some people can help themselves or help their neighbors or help someone else you know, within their community, overcome some of the same challenges and issues that they have. And so sharing those stories is not just for the report findings, 
It's also so that someone else can read that and say, oh, I know someone who's going through this. Here's a solution that was found for that particular issue. Let's, let's talk about that. And it can bring up that conversation and make it a little more organic for those people to develop and, and to start looking at solutions as well. Right. Well, and we have solutions, you know, that's, that's all we do as military moms. We solve problems like, you know, and that's the best thing. Like if I have a problem, my go-to girls are all my military moms because they've been there, done that, heard about it. You know, that's, that's, you know, good, bad, and indifferent, but the stuff that works spreads like wildfire. And so to have an opportunity to put some of those, you know, good ideas down and have them go somewhere instead of just in your smaller community, it can be to the greater community as a whole. And I just want to say in, in the part of the mental health part of, of the survey, and you know, I'm pretty an open book here, Dr. Kim, but, but it's okay if you cry at the end. Okay. I finished the survey and I didn't even go in that depth because I was doing it for work, but I had a good cry at the end. You know, at the very end, I put my notes in and I sat down in my chair and I had a good cry. I don't know why, Kim, I really don't. I mean, I have some ideas why, but sometimes, you know, it brings up stuff and it wasn't enough to call someone. But if you take this survey and at the end you sit down and you cry a little bit, you're normal. That's okay. Like I did, you know, and I think it's, it's really important that we pull the, the bandaid off or demystify some of these things. Because when I first started to cry at the end of the survey, I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like who cries at the end of a survey? But then I kind of scrolled back and I went through some of the questions. They brought up a lot for me. And so it wasn't enough for me to call one of the helplines or research things, but I just want to put it out there that if you have this and you have this reaction at the end, it's okay. Like these are some really big issues that we're handling. So you're going to have some feelings. And if you feel weird or uncomfortable or a little sad or like me, you know, you sit down in the living room and have a good little cry. Um, that's just part of the, it's part of the landscape and it's okay. Oh, absolutely. Because we want, we want those issues that matter to you. And if those matter, issues matter to you, then you are going to have a reaction to them. And, um, you know, if we were only looking at superficial items or issues, it, it wouldn't really mean anything. Right. We're taking those deep dives and asking those harder questions to get at what is really going on in the lives of our men. Yeah. One of the pieces of advice I would give moms, though, taking this, do not do it in front of your kids. Like I was literally trying to do it on my phone while I'm cooking breakfast. The kids are trying to log on to school because, you know, we don't have open school here. The kids are under quarantine. So we have that or whatever that, whatever the thing is now where the schools are closed, put it that way. So I'm trying to get all this stuff done. I think that if you're going to do this, if you can do it in the privacy of your bedroom, do it in the bathroom, do it somewhere you can focus. That's the one thing. Once I got through it, Kim, I had regrets that I'm like, I wish I had not been like multitasking, like a typical mom trying to, to, to do this survey. I would have given it more privacy and I would have given myself a little bit of, of less distraction. Yeah, that, that is a really good point, especially since what I mentioned with the qualitative questions, we're asking people what are some of the solutions they have to these issues and challenges. 
you can dedicate a few moments. And I know people's lives are crazy and, and we are doing multiple things at home that we never thought we were going to have to multitask and, and sort of juggle at home together. But if you can take that time and really let us know what's going on, that is really important. And the other thing to think about too is, wow, I know someone else would be really great yes. at giving some information for this lifestyle survey. And I would really like that person to take it. Please, I know Sandra, you'll share the information yep. and the link to the survey. Pass it on to your friends. It, it is definitely something that if you think someone has something to has say, important, something to say as far as the military lifestyle survey goes, please, please share it. And don't, um, don't worry if you think, well, you know, this particular relationship isn't as important as that. We, we want to hear from everyone what your, your experience was and is. And so that's a really an important part of how we get to a more diverse group to all the different relationships that we want to, is that people will share this as well. Well, yeah, and, and it's a great reason to pick up the phone. Like once I completed the survey, I called my uncle Gary, he was in the army, I called my dad, he was Navy, and I'm like, hey, you guys, I'm gonna send this to you, you know, on your computer, I want you guys to fill it out. You're gonna, you're gonna enjoy this. You're gonna feel, you know, that you have a voice. And, you know, I would have never thought to do that except when you put, the, the groups in there that were involved, it all of a sudden it was like, oh wait, this isn't just for active duty nuclear families. This is for this whole, and I sat down, Kim, and I'm like, okay, I made a whole list of people that I'm going to text that I wouldn't have communicated. I can guarantee you in the last whatever, eight, nine, 10 years that, that I've covered the Blue Star Report, I have never reached out and pushed people to do this in a way that I would this year because of its inclusivity. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it's funny because we've always had these different relationships in the last few years, but this is the first year we're allowing people to take it as all the different relationships. And uh, it's one of the things that we felt has, it's been sort of missing being able to have those multiple ways of expressing yourself and putting yourself into that role of, you know, I, I might be an active duty spouse now, but I'm a veteran too. And I want my voice as a veteran to be heard, but you know, I, I have to choose active duty spouse because that's what the here and now is. And that's what I'm trying to convey. Whereas this year without putting those restrictions on people, they can answer in those multiple. Yes, you could check more than one box. And I, you know, and that was so great because my dad always got the shaft. And, you know, that isn't really fair or right because my father's 86. He lives with me, Kim. So I have him 24 7. And I have a lot of veteran caregiver issues. Like I didn't have to make the choice between what box I was going to check. And that was really valuable to me because like you said, you were a veteran spouse or you are a, 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 you know, like active duty spouse. You've checked all these boxes. Well, sometimes we check a box that we weren't prepared for. When my mom died unexpectedly, I bring my dad in. All of a sudden, I'm a veteran caregiver. And Kim, this is the funny part. I'm just going to tell you this little story. So I'm on the show with uh, Linda Crater of Wise Health, and she owns a big uh, nonprofit for veteran caregivers. And she's talking away about veteran caregivers. And at one point in the show, this was like two or three years ago, she goes, you know, Stan, you're a veteran caregiver. Mm -hmm. 
I was so busy caring for my veteran father, raising my two children, being a single mom, working full time. I never in a million years thought to contact <laughs> or watch any of her veteran caregiver stuff because I'm like, well, that's not me. And then she's like, what do you mean that's not you? Because we don't live into labels. We just do. And so if you're a girlfriend who becomes a fiance, who becomes a wife, who becomes an ex-wife, like that whole journey is still part of the military family. Yes, and if you noticed, if you took that caregiving section, we changed it up a bit this year. And a lot of times people do not self-identify themselves as a caregiver. Nope. Well, I'm taking care of my parents. Well, I'm taking care of my special needs child. That's my role as a, as a child, or that's my role as a parent. Right. No, if you're doing these tasks or these things, have these experiences, you are a caregiver. And then we expanded the list of those you are caring for. Right. And to, to be able to share that story, we've been working with um, other organizations who focus on caregiving to make sure that we have and we can help identify people who are caregiving, who may not call themselves a caregiver. Right. And that is very important as well. And so that's one of the other ways we're hoping to sort of um, expand out people's ideas of what caregiving is and being able to identify themselves. Oh, I actually am a caregiver. I'm handling this person's doctor's appointments and schedules. And, and that's part of caregiving. And so that's a really, we're really proud of that section this year. Yeah. And the fact that we've been able to expand that. So I, I'm we're really interested in seeing how those findings come out and what we're seeing in changes in how people identify. Right, because the perception is, like, I always thought a veteran caregiver means my father needs to be, like, in the VA home. He needs to be in some care facility, and there's a special, like, I don't know what I thought. But when I called my friend down the street who has her father-in-law and her mother, who are both veterans, and she's caring for both, I'm like, hey, I'm a veteran caregiver. You're a double veteran caregiver. Yep. And we had a good laugh because, you know, she identifies as a veteran herself. Like, we just didn't put those labels on ourselves because we're too busy doing the work who sits around and goes hmm how do I label myself absolutely and so this is one of those things that as you go through this survey you start thinking oh yeah I, we are affected in this way oh we are affected in that way and, and oh I do have something to say about this yeah and that uh, we also expanded a little bit into the uh, because of COVID and as you are living it yourself, as well as I'm sure many of your listeners are, you are now sort of teaching as well with your child at home doing virtual schooling while you're trying to do your job, yep. while you're trying to do the regular day-to-day -day activities and keep your kids occupied now that certain things they can't go to anymore. And so we want to explore how that has affected families as well. And also what are some of the things they've done to help overcome it. And then we're always interested in spouse employment, which is always a big issue. Um, how does this affect spouse employment? If military members deploy, spouses at home, also educating their children, or they're a single uh, soldier, sailor, marine, how, does that, how is that affecting them right. in their family account? And you know, how is ch child care? Do they have oh. child care? <laughs> child care. <laughs> Yes, and so all of those different things are being affected just exponentially 
with COVID and how that has changed people's lives. And so things that used to be commonplace, they're now amplified even further because all of these different pieces of who we are are sort of clashing and coming together. Yes. We have to have to sort of get over this and we have to work through all the different changes in our lives. And so we want to see how military connected families are coping in those different areas as well. I'm going to just buzz in and say military families are probably coping better than civilian because of the resiliency aspect. I will tell you a juggling act. I had to go for my chemotherapy one day. My dad needed to go for his test. My 16-year-old is driving both of us. Nobody can go into the medical centers because everything's restricted. He's trying to go in as a 16-year-old, which they let him do to pick up my dad's meds. And meanwhile, my younger one is is doing his homework on the computer in the car because you can't leave everybody home. It's fire season. So we're all literally living in my mini minivan that's COVID that's a military family like you just can do you go to but just because you can do doesn't mean that you should do and we can ask for help and we can express ourselves and we can really share what is troubling us and what we're having difficulty to because we need to help ourselves serve those who serve so it's a whole interlocked puzzle piece. It's not just one. And you take each of our individual voices and you join them to those other individual voices. And that brings the conversation to a much higher level. And it helps then for organizations like Who's Our Family to be able to set programs in place that can support those needs to help amplify the voice up towards leadership uh, into uh, Oftentimes they go to to Congress to testify on these particular issues and they have solutions in hand. What are some policies? What are some solutions? What are some things that can help these families change lives, support them better? Um, Okay, it's not at this level. How can we work with our partners across the U.S. and help support our military-connected families? What kind of programs do they need? What kind of services do they need? And these are, as you mentioned, Sandra, a lot of people go to this survey and the findings to find out what they can do for their individual group of clients or people they serve or communities they serve. And that's what's so important is this, these findings get at top level needs as well as more close to home needs as well. Absolutely. Now, how can people get a hold of this survey? Well, they can look on your website. And they can definitely see it there. Uh, The other thing is, too, is you want to go to the Blue Star Families website. And you can, as we mentioned, you can sign up yourself as a member. It doesn't cost anything. And um, they can give you information about different things that are going on in your area. And so uh, if you go to www.bluestarfam.com, org, you can see all of the different things that are available to you. Uh, if you add a slash survey on there, it will take you directly to the survey. There's a survey link on the website as well. But if you want to just go ahead and add that slash survey, that will take you directly there. Um, it also on the website has some findings from previous years. And as I mentioned, it also includes 
information on the different chapters. So if you live near a chapter, that's a great way to start getting involved. If uh, it has information on their parks program, um, their spouse employment program, all the different programs that they offer. And so it's a great place to start for all the resources. Oftentimes, there's so many resources, we feel like we're sort of buried in them. And going to an organization like this is sort of consolidate some of those pieces together and, and, uh, and is, a, is a place where all of the voices are heard and all of the information is shared. That's very helpful. Absolutely. And if you don't feel like signing up right now, like I'm a big one that doesn't want to sign up right away. If you just take your smartphone, go to blue, B-L-U-E, star, S-T-A-R, fam, as in family, F-A-M, dot org, the survey will pop right up. You can take it right there. Now, if you do get interrupted, because we are moms, we get interrupted all the time, you just have to go back to the same device to pick it up. You cannot go from your computer to your phone to your tablet and back. You have to go back to the same device if you're interrupted in the middle, because that's what I happened to me, Kim. I was interrupted in the middle, and I'm like, I'll just finish it over when I get into my office, but no, that wasn't the case. I had to finish it on the device that I started. So go to bluestarfam.org. There's also a, there's a little um, incentive at the end that you can, you can be part of. Can you talk, Kim, about that? Yes, if you, um, at the end of the survey, if you sign up for the incentive, we are giving away, um, I think it's five this year, and uh, and so you can sign up for that, and there's, there's no obligation for anything. You just sign up, and they, they remove your information from the survey and put that in a different place, and so you don't have to worry that you're giving up some, um, private information. Yeah, some private information that they do separate those things apart. And so, yeah, that is very important. Yeah, and you um, want a $100 gift card? $100 gift card for five people. It's completely random. Um, and so you never know, I think you, and, and so it would be great if you, uh, if you took the survey and signed up and it'd be even better if you were one of those five that were chosen. So that would be a bonus. So if you're listening today, we are on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes. Check the show notes. If you're not on my website exactly, check the show notes below for the link. It's bluestarfam.org. Again, that's bluestarfam.org. We're going to have Dr. Kim Hunt back on, and we're going to talk about when the survey's over and things have been analyzed, we're going to talk about what happened and what the results said. So we'll be back again next week with another great show. Make sure you go to bluestarfam.org. Let your voice be heard. Let's take it out of our homes, out of our texting, out of our conversations, and bring it to somewhere that can make a difference. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for spending time with us today on Military Mom Talk Radio. We've got more than 200 episodes available to you anytime on iTunes or at our website, MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter. We look forward to another great conversation with you on Military Mom Talk Radio.